Becoming consistently concerned for the spiritual well-being of others and wanting to personally influence them to walk closer to Jesus are indicators that a person has a heart for discipleship. As we learned in the last episode, God provides each of us with open doors of opportunity to influence others for Him. In this episode, we'll learn what to do with these divine encounters. According to Matthew 28, 18-20, the goal of making disciples is to teach others to walk in faithful obedience to Jesus' instructions. But how will a person ever learn to obey Jesus if they don't know Him or anything about His commands? Consider for a moment the life-giving truth that has been entrusted to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 19-20 says this, Jesus has committed to us His message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. After Jesus left this earth, He could have chosen to communicate His love and truth in any way He wanted to, but He chose to do so through you and me. How amazing that God would give our lives such eternal meaning and purpose. As Christ followers, it should be our life's endeavor to help others recognize the eternal relationship with God that's available through Jesus. We do so by loving others and relating to them as Jesus does. When we look at Jesus' example, we can see that He was consistently and intentionally interacting with people around Him. Jesus chose to be relational with purpose, the significant purpose of sharing truth. Scripture shows that Jesus met people where they were and spoke in ways they could best understand. We see an example of this in John chapter 4. As Jesus was traveling through Samaria, he stopped at Jacob's well. John 4, 7-10 through 10 says this, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus interacted with this woman with eternal intentions. He took a natural conversation and purposefully directed it to spiritual matters. In other words, he took the subject that was common to them in that moment, water, and then he related the subject of water to eternal truth. In doing so, the woman's need for truth was revealed. Jesus continued to use truth in their conversation, cultivating change in this woman's heart and life. In following Jesus' example, we too should be intentionally relational with others for the purpose of sharing His truth. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that God's Word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Only God's Word is powerful enough to convict a person's heart. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 shows how truth produces transformation in a person's life. I've included an illustration of this verse in this episode's outline that I believe will be helpful here. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 2.13 together. It says this, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the Word of men, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. You see, the Word of God works, producing transformation within a person's life when they respond in belief. But notice the progression, the steps that must occur according to this verse. 
Before a person believes God's word, they must first hear it, then receive it, accept it in their life as truth, then believe it by trusting in it. Since genuine change occurs within the heart, the truth of God's word must be internalized before it can take effect in a person's life. In other words, in order for scripture to do a transforming work in a person's life, it must be received as valuable and then trusted as it's applied in daily living. Then, as a person depends on Christ, the Holy Spirit will enable them to live out biblical truth. That is why our ability to relate well to others can be instrumental in a person's spiritual development. So what about helping to meet the physical or financial needs of others? Aren't those also important? Of course they are. But it's important to realize that we can easily help someone change their external circumstances without ever affecting them internally. For example, we could provide clothing to the needy, visit the sick in the hospital, or serve a meal to minister to a hurting family. But then what? While these efforts can be significant, apart from sharing the truth of Jesus, they may fail to make a lasting spiritual impact. When the clothes wear out, the person's dismissed from the hospital or the food is gone, the people will have nothing to support them. Please don't misunderstand. Of course, we should love others both in word and deed. And Christ's love expressed through deeds is compelling. I'm just making the point that it's God's word that equips and sustains us through the challenging moments of life. That's why we should be prepared to patiently and carefully communicate biblical truth in any situation. That doesn't mean that we should walk around talking in chapter and verse, but that we intentionally include truth in our daily conversations as Jesus did. And the truth of Jesus is what makes relationships meaningful. It's not enough for us to merely make ourselves available to others. Jesus made himself available with intent and purpose. He saw purpose in every conversation, every meeting, every relationship. Let's stop here for a moment to remind ourselves of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18-20. Jesus begins by saying, All authority and heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. For those of you who may become overwhelmed by the thought of communicating with others on the behalf of Jesus, he promises in this passage that he will be with you always. The enemy would love for you to be overwhelmed, feel awkward or fearful, so you will avoid talking to others about the powerful truth of Jesus. If you're tempted in any of these areas, I encourage you to ask the Lord to give you the courage, His courage, and boldness to interact with others on His behalf. Perhaps you are a person who knows no stranger. You could strike up a conversation with anyone at any time. Jesus' commission to make disciples begins by reminding us to operate under His authority rather than our own. So in a similar way that a fearful person must learn to rely on God's Spirit to enable them to be bold in relating to others, those who can easily carry on a conversation should learn to be yielded to God's leading and control in interacting with others. This lifestyle of intentionally cultivating relationships for the purpose of sharing truth may appear to be consuming. It's not that the Holy Spirit will always lead us to use biblical truth in our conversations. The point is that when God provides us with an opportunity to convey His truth, he wants us to be ready, prepared, and willing to do so, in love and under the control and leading of His Spirit. Prior to providing what we refer to as the Great Commission, Jesus instructed us to follow the greatest commandment in Matthew 22, 
It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. In order to love God with your entire being, you must first be consumed by Him. This happens as you allow God's Word and the influence of His Spirit to saturate your heart and mind. As a result, you can then serve Christ with wholehearted devotion. Imagine the difference it would make if you chose to love God with your entire being, your individual characteristics, your physical and emotional qualities, your thoughts and will. Imagine your life being consumed by the living God in a similar way that a structure is consumed by fire. You see, when a building becomes consumed by fire, the people working to extinguish that fire typically turn their efforts to the adjacent buildings. Why? They're concerned that the fire in the building that's consumed could begin to spill over, affecting the structure surrounding it. Imagine, as we become consumed with the love of God, there is greater, greater likelihood for it to spill over into the lives of others. Wow. As we strive to make disciples of others, may God consume each of us with His truth, unconditional love, and desire to see people come to know Him. Our words and actions are a product of our inner self. If we are sincere in building relationships for the purpose of conveying truth, then our hearts and minds will be focused on the source of truth, Jesus Christ. If our focus is not on Christ, it will naturally be on someone or something else, which could cause our conversations to be occupied with ourselves, other people, or things, rather than directed towards Jesus. If our focus is set on Christ and relating His truth to those around us, we will view others as God does. That means that rather than expecting someone to relate to us, We'll strive to be Christ-like by meeting them where they are and speaking in ways they can best understand. In 1 Corinthians 9.22, the Apostle Paul said that he became all things to all people so that by all possible means he might save some. Paul didn't set his sights on influencing a select group of people or using an approach that was only comfortable to him. He became a servant of all. Paul was unwilling to compromise truth, but very willing to set aside his personal desires, social status, and pride in order to identify and relate with people from all walks of life in order to influence them with the gospel. Think about it. If a person fails to attempt to really understand you, appreciate your personal perspective or lot in life, it's unlikely that they will gain much access, let alone influence in your life. Paul sacrificed personal freedoms comforts and preferences in order that his message of the good news of Jesus might be understood and received by others. If we insist on ministering to people on our own terms, we may miss opportunities to nurture their faith. For example, I had a recent conversation with a precious grandmother who was trying to be intentional in encouraging the faith of her grandchildren. One of her granddaughters, named Sarah, had started college and the grandmother was feeling like there was a growing disconnect between them. She told me that when she calls, it never seems to be a good time for Sarah to talk. Then the grandmother said something insightful. She told me that Sarah had asked if she could teach her grandma ways to use her cell phone so they could communicate to each other at different hours of the day. When I asked the grandmother how she responded to Sarah's offer, she said, I told her that I didn't like to use technology and I'd only be using my cell phone to make phone calls. I then gently asked the grandmother, What do you think your response said to Sarah? She quickly realized that she had failed to value her granddaughter's ideas. She had been unwilling to be open to learning something new. She told me, I closed the very door Sarah was trying to keep open. 
Again, we can see, if we insist on communicating with others on our terms, we may forfeit the very opportunities God provides. In another instance, a couple approached me wanting very much to influence their children spiritually. The father explained to me how they had started setting a specific time each evening to sit the children down and read the Bible together, but the children seemed disinterested. The dad was becoming frustrated because he, more than his wife, was finding it difficult to relate to his children. The wife told me that they couldn't seem to find anything either of their two children had in common with their dad. So I asked the dad what his children liked to do. He said, My daughter likes to read, and she plays the violin. I've never played an instrument, and I'd rather watch TV than read. Our son plays soccer, and I attend the games, but I'm a baseball and football fan. Soccer doesn't appeal to me at all, and he listens to rap music. Of all things, rap music. I then asked the dad, slowly and gently, So, do you want to be able to relate to your children, or do you wish that they would learn to relate to you? I was so grateful for this dad's response. He said, I truly want to learn to relate to them. I told him how wonderful it was that he was aware of his children's interests. He now just needed to see their interests as avenues to become increasingly relational with them, relational with the purpose of communicating truth. I then encouraged him to become acquainted with the types of books his daughter likes to read and be a willing audience when she's practicing her violin, not because he loves to read or enjoys the violin, but because he loves and desires to influence his daughter. I also encouraged him to learn the positions and rules of soccer and ask the Lord to give him a tolerance for rap music. I explained that these efforts would help him understand each child's perspective, show genuine value for their interests, gain their respect, and cause them to be more open to receive what he has to say. Several weeks went by before I ran into these parents again. When I asked them how things were going at home, the wife nudged her husband and said, Tell her, tell her. They both laughed as the dad told me. You're not going to believe this, he said. I asked my son what his favorite band was. It ends up that the rap music he listens to is actually Christian. He said I was never interested before because I couldn't or didn't try to understand the lyrics. Turns out, the lyrics are very biblical and powerful. He said, we're now listening to my son's music in the car and having some great conversations about God. He went on to tell me that he's learning more about his daughter, and God is giving him words to speak to her in ways he had never done before. Then his wife told me that they were both learning to put aside their own interests to be greater influences in their children's lives. What a great testimony. Whether it's a child, a neighbor, family member, co-worker, by maintaining focus on Christ and His Word, we can quickly move past the things that we don't have in common with others to the unity that Jesus can bring to every relationship. A person who is effective in being relational has learned to put the importance of people ahead of their own interests. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. We should live as servants of Christ by humbly placing the spiritual well-being of others ahead of any selfish ambition. For example, rather than dominating a conversation, we should be engaging others and allowing them to talk about their interests. Showing genuine interest in others is evidence that they're valuable to us. Also, rather than merely relating biblical truth as it applies in your life, ask the Holy Spirit to give you insight in sharing truth that will most benefit others. Remember, it's not enough to speak truth. We want to present it in such a way that it can easily be understood and received. We relate well with others when we love each person unconditionally as Jesus does. 
Are there any conditions or stipulations you place on the love you have for others? Jesus loves others every bit as much as he loves you and me, and he wants to make disciples of all men and women from every walk of life. God is no respecter of persons, and according to Romans 2.11, he does not show favoritism. 1 Samuel 1.16.7 says this, The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If it's challenging for you to love others unconditionally, ask the Holy Spirit to enable you to see people the way Jesus does. Another key to relating well with others is good communication. Good communication is not only determined by how well we speak, but also how well we listen. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Being a good listener is key to making disciples. If we fail to listen well, we risk drawing inaccurate assumptions or conclusions and may respond incorrectly. Or if we reply to a person before fully listening to them, we risk offending them by presuming our response is more important than what they have to say. Think about it. Can we learn more from someone by talking to them or by listening to them? We learn far more from others by listening to them. Listening well enables us to gain better understanding of a person's spiritual condition and insight into ways to best pray for them. A good listener will purposefully avoid hurrying a conversation in order to gain the other person's perspective. I encourage you to practice showing others that you really care about what they have to say by giving them your full, undivided attention. Listen carefully without interrupting. Also, rely on the Holy Spirit to give you clear comprehension of what is being said. Now consider this. How can we help a person accurately implement biblical truth in their life until we first understand their point of reference? Luke 6.45 tells us that a person's mouth speaks from an overflow of their heart. This means that a person will most often speak what is actually in their heart. As we listen to others and what they're saying, particularly in the response to Christ-centered questions, their heart attitude is revealed. This is very valuable in discipleship because it lets you use the person's own words to help them recognize godly thinking as well as personal thoughts that may oppose truth. I encourage you to practice carefully listening to others while being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's discernment and flexible in letting Him guide your conversation. For example, let's say you're teaching a person a specific biblical principle, but after listening to their response, you realize that they lack full understanding. You can then communicate the point in a different way for them to gain greater understanding. Also, as you speak and listen to others, be careful not to fill silent moments in conversation with speech. These can be purposeful moments for others to process each truth being presented. Be patient. Thinking will often prompt additional questions or thoughts. Being a trustworthy listener builds respect and trust. It causes people to be more open and transparent. And as people become increasingly honest, it's essential that confidentiality is maintained in our relationships. However, it's also important to quickly recognize those times when you're unable to keep information to yourself due to its content. For instance, a person may be in an abusive situation. They may have plans to harm themselves or someone else or be involved in illegal activity. These circumstances obviously need to be handled by professionals. So don't allow yourself to be caught off guard by someone asking you to keep a secret. Be prepared to simply explain your responsibility in the area of confidentiality. For example, if a person asks to share something with you in confidence, kindly explain to them that they can share anything with you, 
but that you can't agree to keep information secret that you have not yet heard. Help them understand that even though you wouldn't share their personal information with just anyone or without prayer, you may need to seek counsel or additional help to best meet their needs. As you strive to become a good listener, I also encourage you to be careful not to believe everything you hear. That means that with some people, you may need to test what you hear for truth by asking additional, more specific questions. Or you may need to ask other people questions to get an accurate perspective. So, we've learned that God wants us to be relational with the purpose of conveying His truth. Let's now consider the people we may encounter and relate to along the way. For example, there will be many people that we encounter briefly without ever seeing them again. And even though brief moments may not give us time to present the gospel, they can still be valuable occasions to reflect Jesus and to prompt others to think about Him. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we allow God's Spirit to work in us and through us, the fruit, or our actions, will reveal Christ's nature to those around us. Simple things like holding the door open for someone to go ahead of you or conveying a warm smile or friendly greeting reflects the love and kindness of Jesus. What effect might it have on others if you relied on Christ's abiding joy during a stressful day? Or what if you chose to be intentionally patient and gracious when someone mistreats you? Clearly, actions that mirror Jesus also reflect Him to those around us. According to 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are called to serve as representatives of Jesus Christ in His kingdom. Whether or not we accurately represent Jesus throughout the moments of our day could have eternal significance for others. Sometimes God will provide opportunities for brief conversations to prompt people to think about Him. I noticed years ago that complete strangers will talk to me about the weather, so I asked the Lord to give me a response that would point to Him. So if a person engages me in a conversation about the weather, I will usually say something like, you know, the unexpected change in the weather reminds me that only God is in control. Or depending on the weather conditions, I might say, isn't it wonderful that God meets our needs both through the sun and the rain? Sometimes I see a person wearing a necklace or t-shirt with a cross on it. As the Lord leads, I may comment on the beauty of the cross and ask if it has any significance for them. Sometimes the person will tell me they're a believer, or they may say that the cross holds no significance for them. I often respond by saying, every time I see the cross, it reminds me of Jesus' gift of salvation for you and me. Over the years, that very response has prompted people to ask questions that led to deeper conversations about Jesus. In order to be purposefully relational in the moments throughout our day, we need to merely be prepared when opportunities present themselves. Like any other endeavor, being prepared in any given moment takes practice. I encourage you to begin practicing by listening to common conversations around you. Are people talking about sports, work, family? Consider the comments you would typically make in these conversations and practice using words that will point others to Jesus. For example, yesterday a person at work asked a coworker if they had seen the amazing catch that was made by one of the baseball players in a recent game. The coworker could have said, yes, I have no idea how he caught the ball. Or he could have said, yes, I'm amazed at what God enables people to do. Both responses were short and simple, but a response that points to the Lord has greater potential to prompt others to think about Him. 
As we strive to point others to Jesus, we should also be sensitive to those who initiate conversations with us. There may be times when people ask you direct or indirect questions about your relationship with Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. This verse reminds us that we should be prepared at all times to express the hope we have in Jesus. For instance, people, sometimes even in passing, will ask, how's your day going? What are you going to say, especially if the day has been difficult? You could say, the day's been tough, but I trust Jesus to see me through. Responses such as these reveal the hope you have in Christ. Of course you want to use words that are natural to you in your conversational style, but the point is this. Unless we're first prepared to direct people to Jesus, we may miss opportunities to do so. I encourage you to begin listening to the questions others ask you. Then ask God to give you answers that reflect His nature and His Word. Ask the Lord to use these conversations to cause people to continuously think about Him. As you become increasingly sensitive to the spiritual well-being of others, You'll notice God placing in your life various types of people and various types of discipleship opportunities. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Just like Paul and Apollos, there will be opportunities in our lives to plant seeds of truth in a person's life and water or build on truth previously planted by others. Paul then said this in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, Neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God makes things grow. Once again, we're reminded that only God can make His living Word grow in the hearts and minds of others. Our job is to convey His truth in love by the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit, while leaving all results with Him. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says this, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In the same way that we can't always see the immediate effects of rain on developing plants, we may not see the immediate effects of God's Word taking root in the hearts of those we try to influence for Jesus. Regardless of whether we see immediate spiritual fruit, we can trust that truth communicated in God's power will fulfill its intended purpose. Do you have full trust in the power of God's Word to affect change in the lives of others? Establishing and developing purposeful relationships will not always be easy, yet they are necessary in furthering Christ's kingdom. Remember, Jesus promised to be with you always. So as you practice being relational with the purpose of sharing His truth, you can trust fully in Jesus to meet your every need along the way. Isn't it amazing to learn that the people we encounter and the conversations that ensue could have eternal significance? To relate to others effectively for God's kingdom, we should be mindful, as the Apostle Paul was, of our audience. Is it your goal to cultivate relationships for the purpose of sharing the truth of Jesus? If so, rely on the Lord to enable you to recognize the perspective of others and to speak truth in a way that resonates with them. 
As you trust in Christ for wisdom and discernment, He will enable you in every way to effectively relate well with others while conveying God's grace and truth.